You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for, for Tuesday, November 16th. In my opinion, Tuesday, the worst day of the week, guys. Hot take coming in. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, off bench baseball or just baseball to which I'm a staff writer for. And one of my pieces recently dropped, which we are going to be talking about today. Um, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres or at Javapeno. That's my personal account. J A V I I P E N O. If you see me pointing on screen right now, that means you're watching the YouTube where you can see my ugly mug and whatever new shirt I'm wearing. Kind of a boring one today, if we're being honest. I probably shouldn't say that because I want to get you guys to go check out the YouTube. But still, if you're an audio listener, check out the description of the podcast, and there's a link there to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that. Um, and as always, just want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag every day. We are free and available on forms that you like to use. Or don't like to use. Hey, I got to give a shout out to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, today's show, guys, is going to be a fun one. We are taking a little bit of a break from talking about the um, the top 50 free agency breakdown from Keith Law's athletic article. And we are instead taking a little bit of a second to answer a listener question. That's right. Someone came in hot with a question this past week. And I felt like I wanted to address it. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about my latest piece at Just Baseball, which is about kind of just a broad look, my broad opinions, being a little bit of a jerk about it, about the Padres starting pitching rotation. You guys can check out the article. It is going to be linked in the description as well as the YouTube, whatever. You can check it out at JustBaseball.com, the Padres rotation stuff. And then really quickly at the end, just want to go over something that I got a response from somebody about Fernando Tatis Jr. A little comment and just a little bit of a, a t- just a tiny rant, just a tiny, rant. not a big rant, but a tiny one. Because rants, that's like kind of an overused thing these days where everyone's like, I'm going to rant about this, rants about that. Sometimes I'm just like slightly aggravated. You know what I mean? I wish there was a word that encapsulated that a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because most of the time, it's a little bit of a bit. I'm not always super upset. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, guys, uh, let's start with talking about my article. So, uh, recently dropped in Just Baseball. Like I said, go check that out. If you want to read it while you're listening, you could do that too. Um, but basically, I wrote about how one of my big pet peeves amongst baseball talk, aside from the freakalytics crowd who likes to use numbers to the point where they actually don't think human beings play baseball anymore, and they're like, let me just put in an algorithm. It's just that simple. Uh, aside from that, one of my biggest, and this one's a little bit more irrational, beefs with baseball fans is everyone who's like, Bro, we need a starting pitcher. We need to go out and get an ace. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think that that's always the answer. It's such a simple thing to say. I had a funny tweet about it this past week. Look, I'm not saying that it's always wrong for you to want to go out and get the best starting pitcher available, especially in the case of free agency, by the way. Because free agency, you, you should be begging your clubs to spend money. Like, that should be what you do. I agree with that. But when you say it, when it's just like, it's implied almost like, like that's a unique thing to your team. You know what I mean? Every team in baseball needs a starting pitcher. Every 
single team could use another good arm patient because it's just kind of to get uh, a five man rotation that you can rely on. You know what I'm saying? So I've always found it to be not all that creative of a thing. Is this me being really pretentious and condescending? Sure. That could absolutely be me, but that's just how I felt. So I wrote about it and I grouped everything into DEF CONs for, I like doing it in tiers now since every team needs a starting pitcher. Uh, in one way or the other, I kind of like doing it in DEFCONs with four being the highest of like, what level are you at of needing a starting pitcher? Or it's DEFCON one, I think it is. I'm already forgetting right now. Uh, it's just, and, and by the way, listener, you probably forgot too. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody forgets which is higher, DEFCON four, DEFCON one. But the highest tier being like, you actually do need to go out and get a st giant starting pitching ace. The lowest tier being a team that it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have, I guess, but you don't really actually need that. A, a good couple of examples, a team that would be in that top tier, Los Angeles Angels. That team has been looking for pitching since like 2014 when they had like Jared Weaver and Garrett Richards. Those guys, yeah, they've been, they are desperately needing start starting pitching. It's not good that Shohei Otani is like the only reliable arm in that rotation. I mean, did you see Andrew Heaney for them this year? Did you see Dylan Bundy for them this year? It was a mess. It was worse than Jake Arrieta and Vincent Velasquez. And then the lowest tier is someone like the Brewers, where it's like, Come on, guys, you don't need another starting pitcher. Someone like the White Sox, could you want, do you want to still go out and get one maybe as a front back end of the rotation type of guy? Sure, but it's not worth complaining about and listing it as your take of like, this is what our team needs, if that makes any sense. And then there's somewhere in the middle. And that's what I wrote about, talking very kind of, very broadly, an overview of the starting pitching rotation for the Padres, which if you looked at main stats, if you just kind of looked at the overall encapsulation of the starting pitching, the Padres starting pitching was a mess in the second half of the season. I mean, they had to start guys like Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez. You were getting absolutely torched with Ryan Weathers, who couldn't go past three innings and was giving up eight runs a game. And the reason why you had to keep him there is because you had injuries and because you didn't have many other people to rely on. So from afar, yeah. It would be great if the Padres went and got a starting pitcher. I would not begrudge uh, A.J. Preller and company to do that. However, how badly do they need a starting pitcher is, in my opinion, the more interesting question. And basically what I reasoned in the article is I think they're somewhere in the middle of that tier. I think it would be nice, but I think they're around the kind of the same areas like the Mets. You know what I mean? Teams that certainly have stuff, but they could use another guy. And they should probably spend something in free agency, but they shouldn't necessarily be saying, we need to go after Verlander. We need to go after Robbie Ray. We need to, have to go after Scherzer and Gosman and all these guys, right? Or Marcus Stroman. Would they be nice? Of course they would be nice. I'm not going to be livid if the Padres do that. But I think it is worth mentioning that the Padres have a lot of at least guys that it's not inconceivable for them to do well next year. You got Mike Clevenger coming back from Tommy John surgery. And from what I've heard, it sounds like it's progressing really well. Don't get me wrong. I'm still nervous because I don't trust the Padres rotation since they've had an, an inordinate amount of shoulder, like arm related, you know, Tommy John related injuries with AJ Monahan, with Clevenger, with Lament technically over the past few years that it makes you kind of nervous that you're like, are we, do we trust this organization to get this right? I've heard mostly good things. And I think when he gets back, he's going to be really good. There's a reason they trade for him in the first place. He will, he, had like one of the lowest qualified ERAs of the past three seasons prior to his injury among all starting pitchers in baseball, even better than guys like Clayton Kershaw at points, right? Granted, past his prime, Clayton Kershaw, but nonetheless, still an important factor to bring up. So I am optimistic about him. And then if you look at it like this, Chris Paddock, I can't defend him as much, but maybe he moves to the bullpen. Maybe Denelson Lamette gets a little bit healthier. You Darvish, is it that inconceivable that you Darvish comes back next year? And maybe he isn't going to have that sub-2 ERA or even mid 
twos ERA that he had for the majority of the season. Maybe that is behind him. And maybe this year was not just the sticky stuff thing, but injuries and just getting older. He is 35. You know what I'm saying? So maybe this is just the case of he's starting to fall off now, which is what I keep warning everybody with baseball. Guys will fall off even if there's no evidence currently that that is going to happen. So you have you Darvish coming back, and then you have Blake Snell, who was electric in August, like absolutely electric. He focused on the fastball. He focused on the slider, kind of threw away the changeup and curveball for the most part, aside from a few situations, and nearly got a no-hitter against the Dodgers. Against like he barely almost blanked the Dodgers in the middle of a playoff run. Like he looked like that Blake Snell from game six of the World Series uh between the Rays and the Dodgers. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I sort of view it. Then you have some other guys, Ryan Weathers. You know, I know that everybody's out on the guy and just wants them shipped off, which is, in my opinion, a little bit of a poor strategy because you'd be shipping him off for very little right now based on how bad he was. You know, that 2.7 ERA jumping all the way to 5.6 by the end of August, right? So I think that would be a little bit silly. You have to expect him to get better. He was a prospect for a reason. And yeah, maybe he's not the ultimate home run guy, but he could still be pretty solid for this team. You hopefully get Adrian Monahone back, who could give you some good innings. My view on the Padres rotation is I would like a starter i don't need they i don't think they need to go that hard on one though i think you get a back of the rotation guy i think you go for a guy like like john gray maybe even alex cobb i was this morning um just a segment on it and um the guy from fangraphs who i'm blinking on right now i'm gonna see if i can pull his name up said hey maybe a guy like alex cobb i think he's the perfect type of pitcher for this padres team but some of these other guys at the top of the free agency ballot you know marcus stroman i think he's gonna cost a decent amount i really like stroman because i feel like his floor is really high. I just don't see that guy imploding the way I could see potentially a guy like even Scherzer or Robbie Ray or Kevin Gosman after like those first initial years when they get older. I think Stroman's going to age beautifully. I think his ground ball rate, all that stuff is going to be awesome. So let me be clear. I would not hate the Padres going for a lot of these big arms. I would not hate for anything. But bottom line is we don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just need to get stars on your ball club. You know what I'm saying? We learned that from a lot of teams over the past few years. Um, and we learned that teams like the Rays, not relying on stars and just being like, oh, whatever, man. Like we could just bring anybody in and then we get smoked by the Red Sox in the playoffs. That, you know, and Dave Simborski is his name, by the way, from Fangraphs. I was listening to that this morning. Again, shout out Anthony Burris for telling me to finally listen to Ben and Woods, by the way. He's like, get off your butt, man. And start listening to these guys. They're the, the voice of the people over there, Ben and Woods. And Ben Higgins has been on my show before, so shout out to him. So that's my kind of overview of the Padres rotation. You can check out in written words and being funny and stuff over at Just Baseball. The article is linked in the description. Please check that out. Please check that out. I'd love you to check that out. I'm going to be writing about the Padres a whole bunch this offseason, including a offseason kind of recap, offseason total review, looking at other free agents like that I've mentioned on the show in the free agent recap and doing profiles and stuff. Going to be a lot of fun, guys. But before we get into a reader question about an ace starting pitcher, guys, I want to take one second to talk to you about the best place for all your betting action. That's right, guys. We're back and better than ever. We have a new web interface over at betonline.ag for basketball, football. It gets you all the spots, all the stuffs, all the wagers, all the money lines that you need for the action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball to football to baseball to UFC to NHL to whatever your favorite Vegas casino game have you covered, guys. 
but don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Love that bet online, man. Let me tell you. All right, guys, let's move into the next segment, guys, which is answering a listener question. And you might real quick. You might be wondering, Javi, I thought you usually save the listener question stuff for when you do your 400th mailbag or when you do your 300, 200, 100, your anniversary things. Well, that is mostly true. I'm going to start ramping up a little bit. The next mailbag will be for my 400th episode when I ask you guys to send me a whole bunch of questions. But if you send me a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app, you could put in the description a question. And someone did just that. And it is very relevant to my article about the Padres rotation, guys, because he asks... Or she. I don't really know. I, I ain't judging over here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but no. <laughs> Seriously. Holden Tuddix 30 on Apple Podcasts asked with a five-star review saying, how do you feel about us training for Luis Castillo? A great question. And I imagine that this question is prompted by the fact that the Cincinnati Reds are clearly heading toward a full rebuild. Both of them in the Oakland days. I've said this a lot. They are franchises that love resetting, man. Oh, don't you love it? Rebuilding. Such a great sport. Don't you love rebuilding, guys? It's so, so, so much fun, uh, especially when you probably don't need to uh, have the time. Um, so I think this is asked also because the Reds recently didn't even offer Wade Miley like a $5 million contract. Is he like a super stud? Not necessarily, but the fact that they didn't offer him a qualifying offer uh, was very surprising to a lot of people. And I think that a lot of people are expecting Nick Castellanos to walk. They're expecting the Reds to move a whole bunch of pieces, um, including guys like Sonny Gray and... The aforementioned Luis Castillo. So I think a lot of people are saying these guys got to be on the trade block. And I think that's true. And I think that the Reds, for the most part, are going to try and get some top-level prospects for these guys. And I think that they will. Now, Luis Castillo himself, you might be wondering, well, I mean, didn't he get roughed up a bunch this past year? And to you wondering that, you're actually right. Um, let's see here. Had a miserable first two months in the season, resulting in an ERA over seven. First two months of the season, he bounced back, though, and was solid for the rest of the season, with August being the only month down the stretch where his ERA was over 2.5. Basically, he was back to being an ace. There's a reason why, for all my fantasy heads out there, that this guy was, um, you know, one of the top draft picks heading into the season. Yes, he was a little bit of a bust. Him, Aaron Nola, were some of the big kind of suspects that were bust this year. Shane Bieber, to a degree, but he got hurt uh, in terms of starting pitchers. Um but the guy has some elite stuff. I mean, really elite stuff. What I like about him is the consistency with the strikeouts and that he's pretty young. Uh, 98 strikeouts in his debut season, 2017. Uh, where he only went 15 games, by the way, which is pretty amazing. Then his first full season had 165 Ks. Year after that, 226. In 2020, a truncated season, which is impressive. In just 12 starts, 89 strikeouts. And this year, despite the really rough months, 192. And most importantly, he has club control. So if you did trade for him, you wouldn't have to worry about him walking. This is not a rental whatsoever. This is not a Max Scherzer type of guy. He is young and he probably has signs of getting better. And what I like about him, even more than the strikeouts, even more than the club control is... What is it? I love his pitching repertoire. And what I mean by that is the fact that he throws all of his pitches a decent amount of the time. He doesn't he doesn't rely on only two pitches. He's got basically four plus pitches, even if one of them did get lit up this year. But if you just look at the percentages wise, change up his number one pitch. He throws it 34 percent of the time. according to baseball savant. 
four-seam fastball, 28.5% of the time, sinker, 23.8% of the time, and a slider at 17.4% of the time, which was one of his best pitches. Opponents only hit 170 against the slider this year. And you know I'm a sucker for sliders. I said this before. Snell's slider this year was elite. The Nelson Lamette's slider last year was incredible. Almost won the Cy Young last year. That's how good he was. Finished top five. And then Zach Davies, even in 2020, had a really impressive slider and sinker kind of combination that he was throwing. So I'm a big fan of them off-seed sort of sliders, sort of pitches. So I do like that he has a lethal pitch there, but I love the pitch mix. Yes, his sinker did get lit up this year. Opponents hit 344 against that, a 505 slugging percentage, which isn't good. But comparing that to before, 263 average against it in 2020, which granted was a truncated season. And in uh, 2019, 283 opponents batting against it. These aren't great numbers for Castillo, but they show that opponents definitely hit really, really well against this pitch, even if it wasn't, you know. Um, uh, his plus pitch, I should say. He opponents hit a lot better, and there's signs that it probably was just a little bit unlucky, maybe in this case, or in the pers- in the perspective of just being like, well, maybe he can ditch that pitch entirely. Maybe Ruben Yebla and all these guys who just brought in as a pitching coach can fine tune Luis Castillo's mechanics and make him even better than he already is. Now that all being said, that all being said. I think Luis Castillo, now don't get me wrong, the Reds are probably going to be more desperate to sell. And when that happens, I like going in. I like tuning into teams that are probably going to sell. I like that because usually teams that are going to sell, and especially historically sell, like the A's and the Reds, there's always this vibe of like ownership is just going to be like, you have to get rid of these guys. Marlon's another one too. Like they kind of just got rid of Duval. Was he going to fetch a major return? But tell me, you couldn't get some 18-year-old like lottery ticket player? I don't know. That's weird. So I always like looking into those teams. Marlins are another one, by the way. If any of their starting pitches are on the market, I would definitely look into it. Just because you never know if they're just going to sell and be like, all right, sounds good. Cool. We're giving it away. That's just my perspective on it. But I think Luis Castillo would cost a pretty penny. And I think he would cost a lot of prospects. And with the Padres position, they're wearing thin on their assets. I mentioned this before on the show, especially the past couple of weeks. Keeping prospects isn't necessarily because because you're like, I this guy's a star. We know he's so good, and we want him playing for the team. Sometimes you keep your prospects because you just want to be able to have that flexibility to move around as the season changes. We didn't think the Padres rotation was going to be this bad this season, right? And a lot of people heading into the season, no Padres fan was like, get a starting pitcher. Get a starting pitcher. Well, guess what? If the Padres had some flexibility, for example, let's just make up in a bizarro alternate universe, then they would have been able to, if their farm system would have had more depth, they would have been able to be like, you know what? We're willing to take that shot on Max Scherzer now. Right now, the farm system really top heavy. You got CJ Abrams, which is going to be a top five prospect in all of baseball, probably by the time the next rankings come out, even though he got injured. You have Luis Campizano, very fine catcher. He debuted for the Padres this past year, but they put him in really bad situations and he still got some stuff to learn. But once he went back to the minors, a genuinely one of the best offensive catchers among catching prospects right now. They have Robert Hassel, who I think was a great pick. A lot of people liked him when he was there. He's out there for outfield. And he, while not necessarily the ceiling of a guy like Abrams or Campizano even, or like the next guy I'm going to mention in a second, uh, just seems like a solid player who could give you value um, across the field, in the outfield, especially, which is an area that the Padres have struggled with over the past few years. They really don't have a lot of outfield depth. Um, and trading Manny Margo, while I don't regret that move necessarily, like super regret that move, uh, he provided good defense. And that's one of the areas that the Padres struggle in with their outfield. So, you know, 
Robert Hassel could be an interesting guy. Admittedly, though, he's a few years away from debuting as opposed to Capizano and Abrams, I should say. And then lastly, you got Mackenzie Gore, who looks good, man. I mean, everything about him seems right. It just seems like it might be mental especially based on who I've talked to um, people who cover prospects a lot more than myself have said, it seems like it's really mental, but those are basically it. You have guys like Ryan Weathers, who's not really more since he pitched so much for the team, his values way down. And then you've got uh, maybe Ethan Elliott who started increasing and getting a little bit better over the past few seasons and whatnot. Um, and he's a guy that I know a lot of people say that they might trade for uh, just because they think they could do a better job with pitching development than the Padres can, which is a fair kind of assertion to make. So my view on this is like, that's kind of it though. There isn't the same level of depth. You don't have these little pieces these little like kernels of guys that you could throw in there to give deliver a bulk package like the Yankees did for Joey Gallo, right? They're, they didn't give up their Jason Dominguez, their um, Anthony Volpe. Like they didn't give up the, the, the super stud, like the golden nuggets of their farm system. They just gave up a bulk package of a bunch of them. The Padres can't really do that right now. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying that they're, you know, I've said a lot of times, never forget that MLB teams don't use our, the same resources we use. They have their own computers and data and scouting and whatnot. To, so maybe for all we know, the Padres might be down on CJ Abrams and they might be really much higher on Mackenzie Gore. We don't know exactly. So it is fair to say maybe it won't cost as much as you would theoretically say to get a starting pitcher. But even still, it is very, very difficult guys and I'm not totally sure if the Padres will be able to do it. But before we get even deeper into that guys, let's just take one more break. And we're back, everybody. That's just for my audio listeners. Uh, thank you, of course, for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as we enter the final segment, let me just finish up my thoughts on Luis Castillo and say that and say that. Like I said, good pitcher. I love his pitch mix, which gets me very, very excited. It reminds me a little bit of Aaron Nola, but I actually have optimism about him. He had some big game starts against the Dodgers September 17th. He struck out 10 Dodgers, by the way, and that's important because you know the Dodgers were trying really hard. Um, only five hits, no earned runs, two walks. He had really good starts against some really good teams. Even the Cardinals, who, of course, went on an unbelievable run, as you guys might know, he was able to you know, kind of calm them down a little bit, too. Only gave up three runs, struck out eight against some pretty solid teams uh, over the course of the season he was really really good yes he got lit up by Cleveland uh towards the beginning of August I get it he had a little bit of inconsistent season but I just think that trading for Luis Castillo isn't in the cards for the Padres and like I mentioned with the article I don't think they need an ace I think they need some front line or I'm sorry they need some back of the rotation sort of depth to be able to help you through the end of the season the Eric Lauer trade or I should say the Trent Grisham trade is more formally what it's known as when they gave up Eric Lauer and Luis Urias, Eric Lauer, I'm not saying he's a beast, but those type of guys, those guys you can bring into your team and be like, just give us two weeks, give us three weeks of solid ball. You know what I mean? Because some of our guys are hurt. The Padres didn't have anywhere to go, so they were relying on a bunch of randoms for the most part. No disrespect whatsoever to the Jake Arrieta, like Stephen A. Smith, um, and Vince Velasquez, but that's kind of a bad position to be when you're really counting on guys like that, right? So I think that you really need those back end of the rotation sort of guys. You really do, and we don't know exactly what the rotation is going to be like. Is Denelson Lamette heading towards the bullpen? Is Chris Paddock headed towards the bullpen? Is Ryan Weathers heading towards the bullpen? I think it's going to be interesting. We know that guy 
guys like Darvish and Snell and Clevenger, assuming Clevenger's healthy, are going to be starters, but we have to see. And you never know if Gore, for some reason, might be ready to be called up. I'm not really sure because he's been struggling the minors. He got hurt, uh, lit up in one of his last starts, so that's not good. But I'm just saying, the Padres don't have that inconceivable their pitching would be bad. And to a lot of degree, I just respect the, I expect a positive regression. I don't think that this team as currently constituted was a below 500 team. A lot of the reasons we were excited about the Padres, those players are still intact, granted without the same depth of the farm system. So I don't think that in theory, training for Luis Castillo is all that feasible. I think he's going to cost a little bit too much. Um, he's a very good pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to completely blow up the farm system because I want to have that flexibility when it's time when it gets deeper into the season, and I really like uh, the prospects that the Padres have in Hassel, Campuzano, and Abrams. Hey, Campuzano, by the way, Austinella, is everybody feeling like he's the catcher of the future? I'm not. The guy, he's solid, but he seems like he's a really, really good player to have when you know you have something in the pipeline. Not necessarily a really, really good player when you're expecting him to be the catcher of a team that has World Series aspirations. But again, that's just my opinion. And lastly, before we close this thing out, guys, I just want to uh, talk a little bit to a comment that I got. Uh-huh. A little bit of a comment I got uh, a little bit a while ago that said, uh, dude thinks Harper should be MVP over Tatis with the facepalm emoji. This is back when I was talking about Tatis. Um, and whether or not he should win the MVP. I have talked about already, I think it's Bryce Harper, and I walked through all of the reasons. I thought I was fairly reasonable, and I was basically like, look, I thought he barely got any pitches to hit, and I thought he was huge for that team when they needed him basically every time. Tatis was a little bit more hurt. He was good. Again, this isn't a toss-up, though, and that's what I want to get into. We need to stop yelling at people who have an opinion on Players who are separated by the minest, my, most minor of margins. I call it the James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, kind of syndrome, right? Where there was that one year where both of them genuinely had a case, but then the respective opinions and camps, it just became all aggressive. You know what I mean? Maybe you could translate this line of thinking to our current think space as a culture, as a species, whether it be politics, the world current events, but I won't get into that. Uh, and just these extreme sort of opinions sometimes. And people were like, if you think it's Giannis, you're a moron. What are you talking about? He's dropping 40 points a game and Giannis is on a better team. And then the Giannis people doing, uh, um, and the, the Harden people doing the same thing. Oh, give me a break. It's, it just went back and forth. I think that genuinely you can vote uh, for Soto. I think you can vote for um, Tatis. And I think you can vote for Mr. Bryce Harper. And I think that, I mean, Soto for me is third. I know that his on-base numbers are insane. I just think, I'm sorry, Juan Soto. It's a tough beat. But I don't like that none of your at-bats actually mattered. You were playing for a team that, like, it just didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like you were on the spot and they were like, we need Juan Soto to go off right now. No, your team was in complete rebuild. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, whether that means the stats would have been better or worse, I don't know, because that's a little bit more theoretical. But my thing is just kind of, you know, come on, man. You can't win 90. You can't lose 98 games. It is cool that baseball isn't holding that totally against teams anymore, but you can't lose 98 games and tell me that you're the MVP when the numbers, in my opinion, weren't too much of a runaway from the other guys. So that's why it's Bryce Harper. So my opinion is, guys, look, I'm not here to tell you everything you want to always hear. Uh, not to say bump in my chest you know what i mean you know how you have those those mostly dudes who are all like look man i just call it how it is man like i'm just super brave man acting like they're in the the front lines of a war and they're like writing pinpoint journals and it's like all right dude you think tyler hero is gonna be good on the heat this year and then you think this guy won't be and you think that the 
I just think that in my opinion, um, you know, uh, I talked about this with the article, which I talked about on that episode about Tatis winning the MVP that was written at the Tribune. Just because of San Diego Tribune doesn't mean that they have to praise everything Tatis. I think that's a little bit unfair. He had an incredible season. It does not matter if he doesn't win the MVP. He wasn't. I mean, maybe if there's something in his contract that matters for him and whatnot, but it does not matter. He's 22 years old. He is a monster. And the fact that he missed 31 games and is still one of the top three in MVP consideration and the fact that he is the most exciting player in baseball next to Shohei Otani uh, or right on there for very different reasons. Tatis, it's a little bit more of the personality. Well, Shohei Otani, it's just kind of like the, the, the lore, the myth, right? <laughs> like when you talk about Otani, everyone's like, he's doing both and he's fast and he played left field once. What's like, there's kind of like this almost urban legend <laughs> value to show Otani that I love. Well, Tatis, you can't tell me watch this guy. Is it fun? He's got the swagger. He's got the love. So, but I will say the swagger and the, the, the passion and all that stuff. We saw it a lot more in the first half of the Padres. I think some people are having that uh, slant their opinion just a little bit. Right. So in response to that comment, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to flip the bird. I'm not Eli Manning. Um, but seriously, I think that it's it's genuinely a debate. I don't think it's a debate in the American League. I really don't. But in the National League, I've genuinely heard some really compelling arguments for both, like the ones that I just illustrated for you guys just now. Um, but yeah, that's that's my take. Um, and by the way, he's still going to probably he's 22. He's probably going to be an MVP frontrunner for a while. Tatis v. Soto. For the next few years would be a great thing for baseball being like, oh, man, these two are just the best. I think that's fun. Uh, but that's just me. Again, um, if Tatis did win, I will be overjoyed. And you bet for SEO purposes and for hype putting all over the thumbnail. Tatis wins MVP. Everybody screw off. I don't care about the club. I would love to do that. But bottom line, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's Bryce Harper and he deserves it. And honestly, before this season and even the year before and the year before that, he was almost becoming underrated. I think people were underappreciating just because Bryce Harper wasn't literally Mike Trout level of production, which is in fairness, a little bit, that was a little bit of a media thing where they were like Harper versus Trout trying to make that like a big showdown for best player in baseball when it really was always Trout. But like, I think people looked at that first year in Philly and was like, he was a really good player, man. Like just because he wasn't all timer doesn't mean anything. As I've said before, what determines a hall of famer sustained success over multiple years. I can name you 10 guys who had seasons that were absolutely remarkable. Remember AJ Pollock's one season. Remember that? Remember when he looked like an MVP? Solid player. He's not a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? He had some better seasons than some great players, for sure, like your Jeters, like your, you know, uh, um, Andrew Jones and whoever the heck, right? But sustained elite success for a long time, AJ Pollock did not have. So keep that in mind, guys. That's why Harper is going to be an MVP one day uh, in like 15 years or whatever the heck it's going to be, right? Well, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, guys, that all being said, that is basically it for today's episode. Thank you. For making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, guys. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You're definitely going to like that one. Those guys do not miss often. Uh, in terms of the future of this pod, guys, going to be doing some more free agency sort of uh, breakdowns of Keith Law's top 50 list. Feel free to go check that out. It's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying talking about that stuff. And the next episode, I can tell you, is going to start being the episode where I fervently have some of my picks. Maybe not firmly, maybe not firmly, but they are, there's a lot of ones in part three that I think the Padres should be interested in if they do decide to go the free agency route. And again, this is a deep free agency class. 
I'm not just doing this for you to listen to my next episodes. The next guys are very interesting. I'm serious. Like this is a very deep free agent class and I love it. We haven't even talked about Justin Verlander yet. Think about that guys. It's a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that guys. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. Follow the show or myself on Twitter at LO underscore Padres for the Padres account. And at Jabapeno for my account where I post a bunch of memes and silly jokes and write about pop culture sometimes if that's your thing. Yeah. That's what I do sometimes in my spare time, guys. Um, And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.